Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode number 70. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I am thrilled to have not only a great friend and my business coach, but yeah, my great friend and my business coach. That was an <laughs> awesome introduction, wasn't it? Coach Frederick West from Look Faith First. Hey, Coach, how are you doing? I am very blessed as always, my dear, and excited to be a part of this. I mean, you know, uh, I was, you know, part of the emphasy. I remember having many conversations about this. And so really it's, it's exciting to even be a part of it and to, to see it grow the way that it has. Listeners, Coach and I have known each other for just shy of two years, and I can't believe mm-hmm. how fast those two years have flown. But Coach has seen my highs and my lows and everything in between. And would it be fair to say that there has been a roller coaster? This is not an episode about me. It's supposed to be about you. <laughs> I would say, you know, the, the entrepreneurial journey uh, is a roller coaster. That's, that's kind of a, a part of the journey itself. You know, there's, there's a group that I'm a part of here locally. They call it E-Venture. And, they call it, and the E stands for entrepreneurial venture because there are roller coasters. There are times where you're high, you have a, a great amount of certainty, you have a great amount of clarity, a great amount of success. And I mean, life is just coming so easy. You you barely even recognize the challenges you're dealing with. And there are other times where reality really hits you and, you know, you are, are, are really pushing uphill and, you know, it's about riding your bike. You know, it's about saying, you know, rather when I'm at the top of my hill, make sure if I'm going back down, I'm pedaling hard so I can get right back up the next one. So, yep, that's part of it. Oh, I absolutely love that. How come you haven't used that one on me? Uh, I just hadn't had the time, you know. Uh, It's situationally, it's got to be relevant. Situationally, it's got to be appropriate. And, uh, you know, when, don't worry, it was coming. And it still may, you know, because when it is relevant, it's very relevant to keep, uh, again, you know, when you're a little kid and you're, you know, you don't, you learn, you know, not until you're, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 that, you know, you can, you can fly down the hill and put your hands up and your feet up. But then at the bottom of that hill, it stinks going back up the next one. Learn to pedal, you learn to get faster, and the next hill's even faster than that. I think I just learned it. It took me all these years to learn that because I was able to put my legs out. See, <laughs> <And> I what? <laughs> Hello. Okay. So now that I know that I need to keep on pedaling all the way down the hill to keep on going back up, let's get back mm-hmm. to you. I would love for you to share your journey with the audience and share your own entrepreneurial journey. I almost botched that word up really good. And more about your background, Coach. Tell the audience about you. Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, my, my journey started a little earlier than most people's because I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I mean, when I was, you know, four, five, six years old, my parents owned uh, multiple businesses. They owned car lots, uh, actually a couple in Ohio, a couple close to you. They owned uh, restaurants. They owned cleaning companies and electrical companies and different things and so and even antique stores so i mean there was just there's this real blend around you know being around business and it was interesting for me because some things really served me as far as working in the business world and some things worked against me which i learned later on in life but you know as as a as a you know the oldest of three boys going through you know that that childhood 
I would be the first one to do special things for the business. So I was the first furniture mover that wasn't one of the adults. And I was one of the first ones to work at the counter that wasn't an adult. I was one of the first ones you know, to answer the phone calls and do the sales and everything else. And again, I just had this appreciation because I was, I was surrounded by adults quite often. You know, I, I didn't, you know, if you want to look at childhood and, you know, going out and playing all the time, that's not what you do in an entrepreneurial family. You know, they, they recruit you early uh, because they need support. So, you know, through that journey, I had an appreciation for small business. I saw a lot of things that my parents did right. Saw a lot of the things my parents didn't do that was in their best interest. And it was unfortunate, but by the time I was, you know, 17, 18 years old, and I was ready to go out and venture the world, the opportunities of those businesses were no longer there. A lot of bad decisions put them in a situation where they had to go you know, back to work for the man. And uh, they never call him the man, but I've learned that since. And, uh, and it was very interesting for me because I, I don't know, I, it just, you get that entrepreneurial spirit when you're younger and that's, that's what you think you're going to do. It's, it's kind of interesting to go into you know, entry level and start from the bottom up somewhere. So it didn't take long for me to find out that I was not a good match for, you know, I don't know if you want to call it the, you know, the regular business environment or traditional business environment. Because one good thing that was going for me was when I went to work, I went to work. I mean, you know, when I was there, there was no sitting down, there was no sleep and there was no, I mean, it was about putting it all in because that's what we did. We put it all in and we made sure we got things done. We didn't worry about credit, you know, because in a, in a small business, especially in a family run business, credit doesn't matter because everyone benefits, you know, when the right things are done, everyone benefits from it. But some of the things I didn't learn as well was about the politics. You know, I didn't learn that there was a pecking order, as it were. I didn't learn about the, again, the the credit and the fact that, you know, if you work too hard, people didn't appreciate getting the work done. They appreciated, you know, this hierarchical order of things. And they were always worried about, you know, who was going to do this and who was going to do that and how they looked. And it just, it really caused a lot of confusion. And so I went through a lot of jobs during my, you know, teens and, and 20s trying to find something that's like, okay, where can I really apply my skills and apply that mindset? Let's get it done. And I found out that really the only place that was available for me was uh, consulting, you know, sales and consulting. So for a couple of years, I was trying to find my niche where I was going to consult. And I did some things in the more traditional, you know, sales. You know, I did the car sales and, and different thing, you know, everything else. I'm a B2C, business to consumer. But I found where I was getting the most fulfilled and I found where I was making the biggest impact was the B2B. And so in, let's see, from 2003 to 2008, I was in the financial services industry, which in 2003 was a great place to be. By 2005, it was even better. But by 2007, 2008, it wasn't doing as well. And so it, even though it was B2C, I still found a way to be B2B because I was helping you know businesses with their 401ks and, and everything else, again, just leaning towards business. But then 2008 just all came down. And I think this happened to a lot of entrepreneurs in 2008, 2009 timeframe where it just seemed like overnight it, everything dried up. You know, in financial services specifically, we had three things that we offered. Number one, we offered mortgages. Well, obviously in that time frame, mortgages were not where you wanted to be. The two reasons, you know, one, people were no longer qualifying for the houses that they used to. But two, the banks were very hesitant uh, to even lend money out. And so, you know, that was pretty much taken off the table. Second one was investments. 
and investments weren't doing really well right there because obviously the market was crashing and so people were very scared to, to invest in the market and I, you know again i couldn't blame them and so that pretty much took all those options off the table and then the third one was insurance and generally speaking you know insurance is for with discretionary income you know people look at insurance as an option in their homes and i i mean we could argue whether that should be an option or not but the reality is if you know you've got to keep your electric on or if you got to pay insurance well the electric right now is more important because you know your your family needs to be able to live in the home that you have so i understood what happened there and so i went back to my roots i said all right let me just let me just go back to business consulting and uh, you know i did some sales consulting and i actually ended up with a smaller company that did website development and design and they were emerging. I mean, they had a great, great technology. But if you know anything about web, well, never mind, Kim, you do. Yeah, web companies, as far as client experience, as far as client schedules, as far as, you know, that there's interpersonal communication skills, they were a little lacking. And so, you know, I ended up partnering with him. And while I was partnered with him, I was going to a networking event. And I met a gentleman who I can't, I cannot recall his name now, but he told me he was a business coach. And I said, oh, okay, what does that even mean? I, at least at that time, had not been exposed to it. And we're talking about 2009. So I would say that the trend uh, towards the idea of coaching really didn't emerge yet. And so, you know, the, the idea of having a coach, which was different than a consultant then, was still just emerging. It just still wasn't, you know, wasn't mainstream yet. And so I said, well, you know, let's let's get together. You know, I work with businesses, you work with businesses, this could be a great match. And we sat down in my office in Portsmouth and I shared with him what I did, which most people understand website design and development. I mean, they understand how that works. You know, our I guess our, our application of it was a little different. We did an assessment. You know, we really tried to find out the, what the client was trying to do as far as who they were trying to attract. And so he liked our consultative approach to it, which, of course, is what I brought to the company. But then I asked him what he did. And it was interesting because he had described something that had been on my heart pretty much since I've been in my parents' businesses. Again, I had witnessed the great things they did to support their, you know, their prosperity and the prosperity of people around them. But I also witnessed a lot of the things they did that hurt them. And so with that appreciation, I always wanted the opportunity to help small businesses. And so this is basically what he described to me. This was his 10, 30 second pitch, whatever you want to call it. He said, well, you know, most business owners, they're really good tradesmen, which means they're really, really good at what they do. However, when it comes to the different business elements, you know, systems and processes, that's where they struggle. And so what I do is I support them in the business acumen to support their overall growth. And it was like the heavens opened up. It was like angels singing. It was a profound experience for me because honestly, up to that point, I never heard of somebody who supported business owners in that way. And I instantly fell in love. I instantly fell in love to the point where, I mean, I, I could barely contain myself, you know, come home to talk to my wife. And I mean, at that point, I think we only had seven children. So I got, yeah. heard that right. Yeah, I only had seven at that time. All right. And then let me also say that during that time, you know, 2008, 2009 just happened. So I was concerned about going to my wife and saying, I want to do something else other than work for the guy that I'm working for, you know, who had partnered with me, who I was, you know, I was actually making money with that company where, you know, this, there was a lot of uncertainty, you know, around our lives at that point. And so, I mean, I was, I was 
you know, somewhat fearful, but it just, it felt right to go tell her. So I, I, I come into the door and she sees I'm pretty excited. And so she thinks, you know, I made a sale that day because, you know, you know, when you're in sales, you know, you get really excited when you make a sale and she goes, oh, what's going on? What happened? And, you know, she really wanted to celebrate with me. And the first words that came out of my mouth, I believe was I found it. And that obviously caused us a kind of a state of confusion because she's thinking, okay, sales coming. She's thinking, you know, you know, money's coming, but, but yeah, exactly. And I say, I found it. And she goes, okay, you found what I said. And I explained to her, you know, my experience with this guy one-on-one and I explained to her that I didn't get a sale that day, but I explained to her what this guy had done and how he did it. And she goes, that is it. Absolutely. Now you always have those moments where, you just need that confirmation that you're heading in the right direction. And that was one of those moments for me. When she supported the idea of me potentially leaving the people I was working for, where we didn't have any savings, that was all gone, you know, at that point. But to go ahead and pursue, you know, this career, which neither one of us knew anything about, it was an amazing moment because she she just she saw the congruency in who I was. She said, Okay, yes, that is that is what you were meant to do. So interestingly enough, I, I, I kept the job that I had, but I was engaging with the guy constantly. I said, all right, so how'd you do it? What'd you do? And he had actually bought a franchise and the franchise was growth coach. And I explored growth coach and the, you know, the investment of that was, you know, it's around, you know, $80,000 to, to get that franchise. And there was another one that was pretty big. Is uh, it called really coach? I had no oh, idea. Wow. Oh yeah. Growth coach. And that was back then. So I can right. only imagine what it is now. Right. So it's $80,000. And then I explored some other ones. Action coach. Action coach was one of the bigger ones in the nation. It was $120,000. And I said, okay, that's a pretty big investment. Well, let me go ahead and find out because I'm a huge fan of the franchise model because if they already have the systems in place and you can automate it, that means it accelerates your learning curve. It accelerates your impact. You benefit from their marketing. So I'm a big fan of the franchise model if it's available. But there are conditions with the franchise model that I am not as big a fan of. One of them being the territories. So I was, you know, engaging with this person about growth coach and action coach. And unfortunately, the area that I lived in at the time for 20 years were both taken. And I said, okay. So I had these established relationships. I had these people that I know here in this area. If I wanted to go coach them, what would I have to do? And both organizations more or less said, well, you would have to go to the representative of that area and between you and them would have to work out some type of arrangement where you coach them for some type of compensation. I said, all right, so I understand that. I understand territories, but you're telling me that I have to pay somebody to coach people I already have a relationship with. Got it. I have a challenge with that. I had a big challenge with that, especially since the closest coaching availability for me was over 45 minutes to an hour away. So I could not coach anyone within, you know, within a, a 45 minute drive. Second challenge I had was I said, well, you know, I, I go in there, I build this business. If for some reason I'm not impressed with how you support us as a franchise, what are my options? I said, well, you know, you would obviously no longer be able to use our brand or any of our material. And I said, I understand that. So, well, you would also forfeit all your contracts. I said, you mean uh, the leads you provide? I said, no, every lead that you have for us, you would forfeit and you would have a, a two-year non-compete to not coach with them or interact with them. 
And I said, well, that's going to be a problem, too, because you're talking about me taking personal relationships I already have. I introduced them to a company. And then they, even though I had established relationships with them before, you're telling me I can't coach them. OK, so I, I went back to my wife and I said, babe, I don't know if the franchise is where we want to go. I mean, I'm basically paying somebody 80000 to $120,000 for them to get clients that I have personal relationships with and I can't coach in our backyard. So we may have to do this thing on our own. And so I began to research. I mean, just dug in everywhere I possibly could. And I was learning about what coaching was. I was learning about systems and processes. I was learning about sales processes, which I, again, I'd already had some experience with through my consulting and, you know, consulting years and through, you know, the entrepreneurial childhood that I had. But I was really, I wanted to, there's a difference between theory. There's a difference between a witness and then application and facilitation. So I'm getting that application and facilitation part of it together. And from that, ESI was born, which is Enterprise Solutions International meaning business answers for everyone. You see that? Yeah, it was nice. And then also my wife, who happens to be a Trekkie, big dork Trekkie girl, loves the idea <laughs> of enterprise. Uh, you can't laugh. I'm on the thing. All right. <laughs> so I can laugh, though. Positive productivity <laughs> podcast. Uh, so you can laugh while you're Perfection and wiser welcome. <laughs> so, I got your back, Claire. <laughs> she, said, she said she's got your back. So it was a couple years in, and we had actually developed – a really good reputation. We had moderate success. We were growing, we were emerging. But when when somebody asked about a business coach in the areas that you know I frequented, I always came up in the initial conversation, always. And I actually got the attention of somebody who's now a close personal friend who worked with the Anthony Robbins organization. And this was back in 2012 initially, maybe 11, like 2011, 2012 initially. And, you know, our relationship had had continued to grow. And it's interesting when he went, went to first see me, he wanted to size me up as a coach. Right. Because, you know, he works with Anthony Robbins organization. And Robbins is one of the most impactful, successful coaching organizations in the country. And so somebody had told him that, hey, you know, we're having this coach come in and he's going to do this presentation on NLP, which happens to be a big part of, you know, Anthony Robbins model. And so he went to size me up. He's like, oh, you know, some guy over here says his coach is doing LLP. Let me go check it out. You know, I don't know if he went to size it up to entertain himself or if he's just evaluating talent. But nonetheless, throughout the presentation, he was impressed. He said, okay, you know what? That's a, that's a different spin on it. But I think you have a great grasp on uh, the interlinguistic programming. That was, it was kind of cool. And so from that, budded a great relationship. And we, you know, got opportunities to, to do some great things in the community. Twice we did firewalks. We did one for a kind of a grand opening of a farmer's market or a local produce market. And it was great just to have everybody come around and do the firewalk. And, it, and I, I really set myself up. I'll tell the story real quick, too. So you need to be careful in the positions you put yourself in. So he said, hey, I'm going to do this firewalk. You know, I need something to warm this up. And, you know, our model is to have somebody else do this. You know, do a warm up and then I warm them up to go out there. Do you have any good content? I said, yeah, I've got great content for it. I got this thing called, you know, tapping into the unlimited, you know, motivation through fire or something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, unlimited fire motivation or something. I say it's perfect because it's about fire. It's about motivation. Let me go in there. And I go in there. I do this presentation and it did indeed do well. But I realized at the end of it, because, you know, I, I had this great line. I said, listen, you guys, tonight is not about walking on fire. It's about walking through something that sets you up beyond the fire. And 
you know, Michael, who was my friend, was he loved it. He was like, man, that just it was so good. And I realized at that time, it's like, you know what? I'm going to have to go first. Now, I don't know why it did not impress upon my – I don't know why it did not come to mind that not only was I going to have to walk on fire that night, but I was going to have to walk first projecting nothing but confidence. Because, you know, if if the guy who's speaking about fire has hesitation in front of the fire, what does that mean for everybody else? So I was like, oh, crap, I'm walking tonight. I've never done this before. I didn't prepare myself at all with the idea. I'm just I'm doing a presentation and I've got to show so much confidence going through that. Everyone else is like, yeah, let's do it, too. So I'm, like, oh, I'm walking through fire. And so I go to the front and nobody can see me sweating. Luckily, I'm in front of the line, right? So nobody can see me sweating, but I'm like, I, I, I'm getting ready to walk on fire right now. Okay. Okay. Yes. I got a conviction. Let's do this. And, uh, and I trust, you know, I trust Michael. He is, he's going to take care of me. He knows I have kids. Right. And so he's going to take care of me. And, uh, he just said, do this. And I said, all right, I'll do this. And I walked through fire. And what I was told by everybody else afterwards is that I did it with such conviction that I gave them the confidence to go through it too. They had no hesitation. So evidently I performed well, but uh, it, that was actually a really cool moment. And this is – it's interesting. As, as good as my relationship was with Michael before then, after that event, he really started taking me seriously as a coach. He started saying, okay, you know, this is somebody that I can rely on here locally. And so we had another you know, event come up and there was somebody else who wanted to do a firewalk. And so he asked me to do the same presentation there. And I was, I have to admit, I was a little bit more prepared this time, right? Because I had done it before, but you know, I always want to stretch myself because that's what we do. So I told my wife, I said, babe, you got to come too. Cause walking through fire was a great experience. You need to do it. And I said, you know what? I think the kids need to do it too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, we have known each other for two years. I've <laughs> not heard this story before and oh my goodness. Oh yeah, it's awesome. So so we're there, and uh, this one's done at a church, and I had the same presentation. We have room, you know, I think between seventy and eighty people, and we're going out there, and they've got the drums going, and of course I'm I'm the leader again because I'm the one that's on stage, and I'm the one that pushes them through. So I'm the example, and I've done it before, so it's no problem. Let me go. I go through the um the fire, and I tell my wife, "All right, it's your turn." And so she sees me go through it, and she ends up going through it, and we said, "You know what?" What type of opportunity we're going to have to give our kids an experience to do this again? We're just not going to have that opportunity. So I can't remember how many of our kids went through. All of them, even April. April's the youngest one. She was four at the time, right? Yeah. So yeah, we had all of our kids at the time, all seven of them. She was three. No, you sure she was three? Okay, so I'm, I remember three and eighty-three. Okay, so I thought it was four and eighty-four, but still, so April was three or four years old, right? And she walked through fire. Right. And she did it because she saw all the other siblings do it. And then Michael said that was the, the most awesome thing he's ever seen because we actually had somebody who was 80 years older walk through fire that day, too. And then so we had an 80 year gap between the youngest and oldest walk through fire that night. And it was a great, great experience. And that's that's kind of what closed out 2012. And so in 2012, the Robbins organization uh, was in transition. They had recognized that you know there was a, an underserved market when it came to business and so they were looking for business coaches you know coaches that had specific acumen towards business and after that event mike was like you know what you would you would absolutely fit in with what we're doing put in an application so i put in an application with the the robbins organization didn't end up getting a call back right away i would say at all but that's okay right so i didn't get a call back and i was like all right life life will continue life will go on and then it was then that hit me that you know Another underserved 
market is the Christian market when it comes to coaches. And I just had this idea. And I remember as I'm waiting for the word to come back from Robbins, I remember reaching out to, to Michael and say, hey, Michael, have you ever thought about doing a, you know, like a faith based coaching company? You know, and he's like, you know what? You know, you talk about it. I see a need for it. And, and then, you know, it just it's one of those things that, you know, you text somebody and you get a little response back. About four or five months go by and Michael approaches me again and he goes, hey, Fred, you know, I know I, I asked you to do this in 2012 and this is beginning of 2013 now because I know I asked you to do this, you know, last year. But I, I need you to put another application to Robbins. And honestly, I, I initially turned him down and said, listen, I just they didn't call me last time. They didn't have the courtesy to let me know that you know, they didn't even want my application. So why am I why am I going to engage with them? I mean, it's, you know, obviously, you know, I didn't even get the he goes, no, listen, trust me. This is what I need you to do. I said, all right. And a couple months go by, only two. And I get a call from Michael, and this was in April. And he goes, listen, Fred, this is what's going on. Last time we did this last year, we ended up with 50, 60 coaches. But we were trying to build the business department. What we found out was even though they were great coaches, they did not speak the lingo. They didn't have the acumen we needed for business. And so – Unfortunately, they were great coaches and we were able to do some things with them. But as far as how we wanted to apply them to help these business owners, it's just it's not working out. We need people who have business experience. I said, okay, that, that's, that's good to know. So why are you calling me? He goes, this is why. We're going to bring 50 more people into this organization. And we've already selected 30 of them. So we have 20 spots left. And we have about 40 people who – are eligible for these spots that we have in there. And you're one of the 40 that are good for the 20. I'm going to share something with you because this is what excluded you last time. He said, you know, I love you, you know, as a brother, known each other a long time. And you always, you always worry when somebody starts a conversation like that, right? You're like, oh God, the hammer's getting ready to come. All right. He goes, you know, I love you, but we have a brand. And what he's talking about is Anthony Robbins organization. If you didn't know, they've really started with, the traditional coaching things, you know, as far as coaching people through different addictions. So you had, you know, you had drug addictions, you have alcohol addictions, you had smoking addictions, and you had weight, right? And at that time, I weighed 340 pounds, big boy. And, you know, God, you know, God bless it. Other than the fact that I looked heavy, I mean, I, you know, I look at the pictures of me now and, you know, or look at the pictures of me then now. And I can't believe how big I looked because I didn't I, – when I looked in the mirror, I didn't look that big. You know what I mean? But I, I mean 340 pounds, you can't really say you're small. And they had a brand. And to bring on a coach to go on stage in any capacity, looking the way I did, would be a brand conflict. And I was in business. I understood that. And so what he said was, I can't tell you that you have to lose weight. But I will tell you. That was one of the considerations is how you would re you would represent the brand last time. He said, so I can add to your application that this is a journey you're willing to take on. And it, it was right around my birthday. My birthday's on tax day. It's April 15th. Also, yeah, by the way, you know, if anybody has, you know, you know, wants to wish me happy birthday, feel free to look faith first. You know, go ahead and wish me happy birthday because you have to celebrate tax day, right? Because everybody else is upset. They got to give money. So I figured it should be something to celebrate. You can celebrate with me. But um. You know, having that moment, I said it was right next to my birthday, and I said uh, it's time. You know, I was uh, 35. I think I think I was just getting ready to turn 35 or just turn 35. It's like one or two days around it, and it was just we realized that even though at that point I had not had any serious health 
challenges to my weight. I mean, I had some some minor things, but you know, I wasn't a diabetic. I, I didn't have high blood pressure. I mean, the traditional things that came in. I was, you know, at 35, being that big, I was I was begging for it. You know, I was going to get ready to become a statistic in the wrong way. And I said, all right, yeah, I'm willing to make that change. And so I ended up partnering with the Anthony Robbins organization. And it was really interesting because I cannot speak well enough about my experience there. They are truly the best coaches in the world. They're master coaches. Um, and again, my, my friend Michael, they are exceptional. And so I went through the advanced skills training for coaches with the Robbins organization. And something else happened during that summer. So I'm working Robbins. I'm going through the coaching. I'm becoming a better coach, just overall a better coach. But in 2013, it just seemed like the Christian faith was under attack, which is something that's very important to me now. But it was very, you know, it was something I paid attention to then. I have to admit, I didn't take as much ownership in 2013. I call myself Christian. I did everything Christian. But even even with ESI, you know, Enterprise Solutions International, I used foundationally Christian concepts to, you know, motivate employees and to create processes and to, you know, integrity selling. And so I did all these things that had kind of a, a root in faith, but I never really advertised it that way. I never packaged it that way. It was just like, this stuff works. And in 2013... In the summer, Hobby Lobby was getting sued because they didn't want to pay for a board of contraceptives. There are 20 contraceptives that were mandatory in Obamacare, and 16 of them were non-abortive. And they said, well, we have no problem paying for these 16, but the, the four that are abortive, we refuse to pay for. That somebody else, we're not saying you can't do it. We 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 don't have the right to tell people what they can and can't purchase, but our money will not be going towards it. And they end up going to the Supreme Court. Now, in addition, there was a baker in Oregon that said that they chose not to make a cake for a a gay wedding. And you know, people can talk about whether that was, you know, their right or not. I've seen people refuse service for far lower reasons than that. You know, I mean, you know, not to be funny, but even Steinfeld, you know, no soup for you because you talked in line. Right. And so to have something as important as their faith be the reason why, you know what, I'll support anything you want. Your bar mitzvah, your birthday. I do a Super Bowl party. You know, I'll make a cake for anything you want, but I cannot support this. They got sued and lost over one hundred thousand dollars in a lawsuit. And Chick-fil-A at the time, the owner, Dan Cathy, who had taken over for his father, Truett, was asked, because this was a hot topic during that summer, what are your personal beliefs on traditional marriage? And because, you know, most people know that Chick-fil-A is a Christian company, he said, well, I believe in traditional marriage. So, you know, I, I you know, other people could do what they want, but, you know, what I see is marriage between a man and a woman. And even though he had never denied service based off of that, never denied hiring based off of that, never divide promotion based off of it, even though it never impacted his business in any way, because of his personal beliefs, uh, they boycotted his stores. And it was a moment of reflection for me. It was, you know, Lord, why aren't you protecting your people? I mean, as far as I could tell, I don't think you want companies to, to pay for abortives. And I don't want you to, you know, you don't want people to deny you in public. And I doubt you would want people to support things that are against the foundations you know, of our faith. We love everyone, but we, we could choose not to participate in the sin. But you're letting them be attacked. You're leaving them out there to be vulnerable. Why aren't you doing anything? And you need to be really careful <laughs> because 
when you when you put God out there like that, and you say, why aren't you doing anything? Sometimes the answer you get back isn't nice. My answer was, why aren't you? And what that meant at the time was, I mean, again, I, I've been blessed with this business experience and this business acumen. I've been blessed with the entrepreneurial childhood I had. I've been blessed with this additional education as far as coaching because, you know, in addition to being at the Robbins, I also, you know, went to the International Coaching Academy and, and have my certification from there. So I had all this exposure to, to business and coaching, but I chose to do it in a secular way. I, in addition, had refused to say that, you know, God was the driver of my business. And it was just intolerable. I said, I honestly, I didn't like the answer. Because I felt really bad because I was scared. The answer is I was scared for two reasons. You know, number one, I knew there would be a challenge in growing my business if I shrunk my market. And to say you're a Christian, anything, look, there are three businesses that are getting punished for it right now. So, you know, I add what is already a slowly emerging uh, market, meaning coaching, and I put another requisite on it saying faith. I mean, I, I, that, that puts my family at risk. In addition, I had recognized that some of the the biggest religious leaders, they were constantly under attack. I mean, I believe in the enemy and they were constantly under attack. And a lot of times they weren't going to be able to attack the head. You know, it's they attack the kids. They attack the family. And I said, man, what risk do I put my family at? At that point, we uh, let me see. I, I don't think we had had number eight. Yeah, I think Claire was pregnant with number eight then. Mm-hmm. And so I went to her just like I did before, and I said, babe, I'll tell you, you know, witnessing all this, and she, she witnessed it with me. It's like she didn't know what was going on. I said, babe, I just – I asked God why he was letting that happen, and the answer I got back is why are you? And I think I'm supposed to open up a coaching firm for Christian business owners. And again, you know, it's – you need those little confirmations of life. My wife gave me just a, a an answer that still – resonates with me, which is that that's it. That's what was missing. And so I'm, I'm expecting, you know, have going into there, a kind of a discussion, kind of a, Ooh, that's a big decision, you know, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, a back and forth of why I would come to this decision. But instead it was just like before when I came home all excited, you know, I, I found it. She goes, that's what was missing. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I, for the longest time, I knew you were supposed to be doing something different. And when you brought coaching, I absolutely knew that's what you were supposed to do. But these last five years, something was missing. I didn't know what it was. And this is it. This is what's missing. This is what you need to do. And again, very shocked. I said, okay, well, what does that look like? And so we, we had to think of a name and we had to say, okay, you know what, you know, what's, what's the foundation of who we are? What's the foundation of our beliefs? You know, foundation of our beliefs is that the, in a, in a, a growing, emerging, successful, prosperous Christian market is the best thing for this world because the things we're asked to do with our charity, things we're asked to do with our example, the things we're asked to do with our impact, that's how we change the world is to have this thriving Christian business community. And so how do we get this thriving Christian business community? Well, we need the Christian consumer community to take ownership of it and recognize that their dollar has power and every dollar they have and they if they spend it in a place with a, a Christian business, that the Christian business is called to do the right thing with that. Because we know plenty of other businesses that have no calling and don't do the right things. And so we came up with look, faith first, kind of a, a buy local. That was the whole idea because I had helped buy locals at that point where, you know, just here regionally. But I was like, you know, you can still 
treat it like a buy local because what you're doing is you're asking people to change their buying behaviors in a way to support a cause. Well, our buy local is buy Christian. So look faith first. Give a fellow Christian brother or sister an opportunity to gain your business. And if they underperform, at least you gave them the opportunity. Or even if you didn't give them to the point where you gave them the opportunity, but you just considered them. Just just being open to being intentional with every dollar you had can make a profound change. And so look faith first. You've you've I actually it's interesting. I believe in like 2015, it was about a year after that decision. 2015 is when you and I had connected. Yeah, we and was it 2014? No, March of 2013. Or 15, I mean, right after. Yeah, 15. That's what I thought. Yep. yep. So it was about a year after we had, you know, connected where I was still forming what that foundation looked like. And as a result, you've, you've seen what's happened. I mean, we just – there's just all kinds of things that we're now able to offer. I mean, it's amazing, you know, how much clarity comes to you and how much conviction comes to you and how much certainty comes to you when you're more authentic. You know, and I really felt that authenticity as far as this is who we are supposed to be. This is who I am supposed to be. And my clients felt it. I mean, you know, we've we've had clients who have who have benefited in massive ways through it because, you know, I'm able to talk about things about, like, for example, like purpose. And that's the reason why I love, you know, the, the idea of your show. I mean, you guys talk about purpose a lot here, or at least you talk a lot about purpose here. And it's having that purpose and, and aligning with that purpose and having conviction towards that purpose uh, that allows you to be a little bit bolder and allows you to be a little bit more creative and and be a little bit more explorative. I think that's a word. So, you know, it's I, I don't know. I mean, I'm in my journey, for, I'm waiting for Claire to tell you if it's the right word. <laughs> uh, yeah. no, she, she just she just smiled. So I'm going to get away with it. So uh, but but yeah, I mean, it's you know, it it's amazing once you're that in line with what you're supposed to do because things just seem to come easy. You know, the things that you say, there's there's no hesitation in it, you, and and you feel you feel good in it, and you feel genuine, and feeling genuine and feeling authentic and feel purpose driven is just an exceptional feeling, it's an exceptional experience. So I'm sorry, my my story was long, but you asked that you asked the good question. That no, I really story. hope it was inspiring to the audience. Whether whether or not you listeners are Christian or non non-religious or any other of any other religious belief that you know being true and not hiding from your faith while you're running your business is really beneficial and I'm going to jump in here coach with a little bit of the story of how we met coach you were looking for marketing support as you were releasing your book God's business. And this is going to be in the show notes, which again, listeners, you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP 070. And so we started working together, but one, I remember one of the most poignant, is that a good word? Uh, questions when we first spoke, you asked me about my beliefs. And this was something that I had just realized I needed to be more honest about myself. And while I hadn't brought it into my business yet, I did let you know that I was Christian. And what had led to that was just two months prior to us meeting, I had had the twins just in March, which was the month when we met, March of 2015. I came back to work. I love what I did, but I came back with no clients, no team, and I was scared out of my mind. I didn't know where I was going in the business. And I spoke with my husband, who's my biggest supporter as well, as you know, and I told him I was scared because I wasn't getting jobs, you know, and he said, well, don't ask God for jobs. Ask him for an opportunity. And that's what I did. And I think it was probably within about a week that we met. We started working together 
as me, well, maybe it all happened at the same time that our relationship went both ways, me supporting you and you supporting me. Mm-hmm. And one of the earliest questions that you asked me was, where's God in your business? Because he wasn't there at all. And I explained that I was afraid about offending people with my faith. And I realized very quickly that I couldn't, that that was not fair to God and to myself to be afraid of my faith. Because if I'm really going to be faithful, then I can't be afraid of it. And that weekend, I shared my faith on my website, right on SuttonStrategicSolutions.com, which I realize is not normally the website that I'm sharing here on Positive Productivity Podcast, but that's where all my business services are. But right on the About page, I put that through Christ, all things are possible. I realized that my motto needed to go onto the About page, through Christ, all things are possible. And immediately the business started turning around and you saw that growth. It, it was almost scary growth because while I was becoming a lot more aware of my, of my faith and how to bring God into the business, I wasn't really in line yet with my true purpose and what I needed to be doing. So while I was bringing in, to be totally honest, and you know this, way too many clients and I grew my team way too fast. I was taking on projects that weren't aligned with me and weren't aligned with the company. So that is the journey that you have seen until I would say mid 2016, end of 2016, when I really became clear on what I was doing. And it's, it constantly amazes me. So now here we are almost two years later, your book has published. And again, that's going to be in the show notes and you Look Faith First has just blossomed. I mean, your your Facebook page has grown from zero to how many thousand people? We have over 3,000 now, and you were a big part of that, so I'm going to give you credit where credit's due. But yeah, I mean, you were, you were a big part of that. So yeah, we're up to 3,000 people on that now. You know, we're, we're sending out to a list of, what is it, 6,000, 7,000, something like that. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing a, a great amount of opportunity and exposure, and I would say impact coming from, from what we do now, absolutely. And just in the last month, listeners, we're recording this in January, but it's still going to be relevant for months and months to come. And, you know, if it's God's purpose for, for you, uh, just in the last month, the purpose development call through Look Faith First has, has relaunched. Do you want, can you share about that? Sure. And, and so, you know, I'll talk about the purpose behind it, you know, at first, you know, I, I actually had, you know, the same conflicts that most other people do uh, when they combine their faith in their business, which is, you know, when you put your ministry as part of your business, you know, you, you now, in a sense, you know, have extra, you know, duties and responsibilities that go with it. I have responsibilities and duties to my family. But now, since my business is ministry, I have, you know, responsibilities and and duties, you know, to, to make the impact that God wants us to make. And so, you know, I remember talking to my wife and saying, babe, I, I just, I feel like, you know, most people can't afford what we do, but they need the impact. You know, most people can't, but, but I've been given this gift for God. And so for me to, to limit you know, this gift he's given me to only the people who can afford me, I just, I don't think that's fair to the ministry. I don't think that's fair as far as being a good steward of the gifts. So I got to find something. And, and so, you know, we had talked about, you know, giveaway sessions, sessions here. And, and I actually took, took on a couple of, you know, what I call charity cases where, you know, there are people that were most definitely in need and didn't have the, the financial, you know, resources to be able to afford us. But, you know, we believed in what we do and thought they're going to make the impact. But unfortunately, 
No, it was – it's interesting. It was their habits that put them in that situation. So the coaching – the things they were having during coaching, they still were not applying the things they needed to apply. And so they needed more coaching than just the selective support I was giving them. And I was like, okay, I can't take on too many of these because it's taken away from clients that you know that support my now family of 10. So last year, we did kind of an initial soft launch of the PDC call with the idea that if I were to offer a call and not charge for it, and just say, you know what, God, if you want somebody to benefit from the gifts you've given me, just bring them to the call. I, I, I will give 110% everything I've got to that call so that they're able to benefit from it. They're able to, to be blessed by it. But at the same time, this allows me the opportunity to do the things I need to do to support my family with this ministry also. And uh, we did a couple calls. And, and there was just, again, there was just something missing. And I, I think there were several things. You know, one, I think we had, you know, some technology challenges, how we were able to promote it and, and everything else. I, I think we were really limited with that. Second, I feel like that, you know, the language of different things that we were using, the vision was was very large, but it wasn't big enough. Like I didn't know what we were trying to accomplish. I didn't know what that would look like. You know what I mean? I knew what it would look like on an individual basis, but like on a community basis and a large basis, I did I wasn't really sure what it was supposed to look like. And that kind of came through where it, it was almost for a person rather than an entire community. And since then, you know, things like PATH, you know, have really come where, you know, that has to do with purpose, action, talent, and harmony. And we say, okay, you know, those are the things that we're trying to accomplish as a community. You know, if we have a, a community that, that has a definite, pat, you know, passion and, and they know what their purpose is and they live with purpose and, and they take action when they're supposed to take action and they leverage and utilize the talents they've been given and they look and seek this harmonious relationship between their faith and their business, man, that the world changes right there. And so now that we had that focus, I said, okay, we need to resurrect that call. And something else had come to me during that time, which I had researched several years ago, which were the seven cultural mountains that influence society. And I said, another challenge is I'm going to help people with business and it's great to help people with business, but that only serves a limited amount of people and only only has a limited impact. We need to find a way to have a, a bigger impact. And so I looked at the seven cultural mountains and I said, you know, my wife and I quite often are approached with, when, when are you guys going to have the show? You know, of course, when you have 10 kids, right? They're like, oh yeah, there's that uh, that family that, you know, and yes, yes, the Duggars. And yeah, they, they don't ever know the name of it. They, they don't compare us to John and Kate plus eight, but thank God, right? You know, they, they always say, you know, you, you need, you know, you guys need to do a show like this. You need to do something like this. And I was like, you know, why, why don't we do something for the home too? I mean, I'm married 17 years, which I didn't think was that much of an abnormality, but it is evidently abnormal, at least for my generation, to be married to the same woman for 17 years. Um, I do have you know, 10 children. We do have a single income that comes into home. So we have to be good stewards of the gifts that we have. I am somebody who had lost a hundred pounds when I was with Robbins. So, you know, I really, there are a lot of personal experiences and personal successes that I had that could contribute, you know, to the community in a personal way. So I said, you know, this year when we launch it, let me go ahead and do both. Let me go ahead and have a business call. And the business call is the third Wednesday of, or, or sorry, third Tuesday of every month, and you can go to lookfaithfirst.com, go to the calendar and, and see you know that call and get the login details there. But um, you know, we do that on the third Tuesday, we do that, and then on the second Thursday, we do the uh, the PDC home call, which has to do everything about the home. It's uh, family relationships, fitness, finance, and faith in the home. 
So, uh, you know, with our, our first call being last week, got a great, great response from it. You know, with your support even, you know, we, we found that, you know, the best part of that call was actually the coaching moment. So we split up the call in two ways. You know, one way we had this instructional and it's good to, to give people ideas and tools and, and, and things like that to support themselves. But the second half of the call is a coaching moment where we take somebody from the audience and I coach them live. And I will tell you, there's just a little bit of anxiety around it because there, there are certain things you have to do there. One, it's you got to truncate a coaching session. So you bring what, you know, for a lot of people it could be an hour, even 45 minutes, you bring it down to 20 minutes. And there's, you know, you want to be able to do that because of the other people that are on the call. So, you know, there was that concern. In addition, you want to provide value for the person volunteering because you'd hate for them to, to put themselves out there like that and be vulnerable and not receive value for that. And then, you know, the third thing is it had to be relevant, it had to be relevant to everybody that's on there. And so, you know, in doing that, there was, you know, there's concern of well, what are we opening up when we did this? But the one we did last week, from what I've heard from everybody, it was the best part of the call. You know, not that they didn't appreciate the instruction, they liked it, but it just it felt very real and very authentic and very relatable to everyone on the call to hear that coaching moment. And so we're excited to continue that part going forward. We're excited because tonight is our PDC business call because uh, it is the third Tuesday in March. You know, when this ends up coming out, I mean, you know, we, you know, we expect to have it on the the second Thursday and the the third Tuesday then, and uh, we're really excited about the prospect of it and the impact that's going to have. I know you're you're hoping to share previous calls in an evergreen form in the future, but I do have to share that I think the most aha moment for me during last week's home call was the fact that my husband and I are not spending really any time with each other without technology, except when we are on our way to sleep. Every other single moment during our day has some type of technology or children. And in those rare moments, and, and we only have half the kids that we do, but in those rare moments when we get go out, we still even have the smartphone on the table. And it's not meant to be disrespectful to each other, but it has just become part a part of our life. So coach, I just want to circle back around for a moment because I remember when we started talking originally, one of my big aha moments with you was that as, as a Christian business owner, that does not mean that we cannot, number one, be profitable in our business. And number two, it doesn't have to be a small profit. You know, God has bestowed gifts upon us to grow our business as, you know, as large as we can and hopefully give back to, to our community and to the world in general. But there's it's addressed numerous times in the Bible, you know, that it's okay to make money. It's okay to be wealthy. Can you address that for a moment? Sure, sure. And so, I mean, this was a great conflict for a lot of, you know, a lot of, of Christian business owners, and a lot of people who, you know, who are, are challenged with that harmonious relationship. And that's why PATH, you know, that the ending part of that is harmony between faith and business is because this is a great conflict. And we, we, we call them, you know, the misguided beliefs. And there are three of them. Uh, number one has to do with scarcity. You know, there's a belief that if I have, others have not. And as Christians, we're not supposed to take away from others. And so, you know, there, there's a concern that if I if I if I take too much and I acquire too much, that I'm taking away from others, and that's just that goes against who I am. And so, I don't want to take too much. And we're always very hesitant about growing our businesses. And then you have the belief about profitability. And so, we're not supposed to be profitable. You know, and and what we do is we limit our profitability. But unfortunately. When we limit our profitability, 
in essence, we are limiting our impact. I mean, there are so many charities in the world that need money. And I know plenty of charities that get a lot of money that don't do the right things with it. I mean, you know, I, I won't get political here, but let's just say a lot of our political folks, they're the ones that have the charities to totally do a lot with it. But, you know, you, you know, you have these, you know, the Catholic charities and the, the YMCA and, and a lot of these charities that genuinely try to do the right things for our communities and our families. You know, you have uh, food pantries at churches and you have mission trips. And I mean, I, I mean, I can go on and on and on and on about all these, you know, Salvation Army. I mean, just all these things are out there and they need money or they need, you know, they need things that cost money. And so if we if we limit our profitability, where do we accumulate the resources that we need to make that impact? So another thing that really changed that for me was, you know, if you, if you read throughout the Old and New Testament, good discipleship and, and good honor to God is almost always rewarded with prosperity. You know, it's really interesting. You know, one of the, one of the biggest stories that represent that is, is Solomon. So, you know, when, when Solomon was recruited as a young boy, you know, he was asked, you know, to tell God what he wished from God, you know, how he wanted God to bless his kingdom. And he said, you know, Lord, I only wish for the wisdom to do right by you. I only wish for the wisdom to do right by the blessings that you give me and, and the opportunity that, that I'm getting. And God was so impressed by that. He said, you know, you could have asked me to destroy your enemies as many of his fathers had done before. You could have asked me for great wealth, as many of his fathers had done before. But instead, because he asked for wisdom, God said, not only will I give you the wisdom that you seek, but I will give you the, you know, I will give you the, the favor and the wealth and all the things that come with it so you could do the right things with that wisdom. And that, that story always stuck out with me. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, this is where God shows that wealth is not a bad thing. Profitability is not a bad thing. He just wants us to be wise with it. He wants us to be good stewards of it. See, even even with the stories that you know talk about you know the rich man you know going to hell and, and everything else, it, it was always because of what they did with their wealth. You know, they talked about you know with one where it said you know it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. You know, with, with that you know that's a, an often you know quoted verse. Well, the reason why is because the story they told about the rich man before that was he was a man who wouldn't even give his scraps off his table to the poor. And had no appreciation for the struggle of the poor and lived a rich life, but a selfish life. That's why he had the challenge, not because he is rich, but because of the behavior that came with it. You know, they talk about, you know, money is the root of all evil. And that is another misquoted scripture. Uh, what is this? The love of money is the root of all evil because the love of money creates more pursuit of money, which creates a selfishness we were just talking about. And so, you know, I guess one of the foundational things of, of Look Faith First and really of, of what we're trying to do as a community is say, you know, wealth and profitability is a great thing as long as we're hyper intentional with it, as long as we honor it and treat it as the gift that God gave us and do the right things with it when we acquire it. He wants to give it to us in abundance if that's what we're going to do with it. We just need to have the discipline and the relationship to make sure that we do. That's also huge. And I know this is something that we have discussed in my coaching because I, for the longest time, and I, I have to say that this year, I think it's finally switched, but I'm not going to say that it's a hundred percent switched, but my goals are purpose focused finally, rather than the profit. And, that, and that's a big, big transition. I mean, you do the right things and you're purpose driven 
you will be taken care of. Now, I'm not going to say it's not going to be a bumpy road. It's going to come with turns. You're going to have those hills like we were talking about before, you know, where you're, you're riding your bike and you ride your bike up that first hill and you're feeling great and you start ri- going down the hill. Like you just ride it rather than keep pedaling. You're going to end up at the bottom of the hill and you're going to struggle going back up. But you ride through it and you keep that momentum. The next hill becomes easier and the next hill becomes easier. And then at some point, the hills, you know, they, they just become part of the journey. And it really does not have the effect on you uh, that that first hill does. So, no, I mean, that's again, that's a great, great place to start. And that's what I, you know, that's, you know, one of the three foundational things that I talk about with motivation as far as my coaching is there are three elements. And we, we've talked about this. I mean, you, you've been integral in helping me at least design the tools to supplement this. But it starts with purpose. It goes to belief and it goes to you know the environment that you're in. And so, you know, purpose is the, one of the foundational, if not the most foundational part of all of it, because with purpose, it gives us permission to do things that sometimes aren't logical, but feel right and, 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 and to have the impact and to, and to go with grace and to go with blessing and to go with favor and say, you know what, you know, if I'm, I'm doing the right things and it's interesting when you start doing the right things, even though sometimes those right things don't really make a lot of sense, you receive gifts and favor and opportunity as a result of it. And you just really can't explain it other than it's a confirmation that, yes, you're doing the right things right now. Since we started working together, all the different communities that I hadn't known were out there. Maybe they weren't even out there when we started working together. But I have seen so many people become more transparent about their faith in their business. And in general, I have seen a lot more people become a lot more transparent about all aspects of their life and their business struggles on social media. And it's been very refreshing to finally see people be more authentic and less scared about being, you know, huge successes and boasting all the time rather than really being who they are and being proud to show who they are. And I hope that's something that, you know, listeners, regardless of what your spiritual background is, I I hope that this is definitely something that you hear out of our episode today is transparency and authenticity is very important in your business, no matter what your background. And you can follow your passion and still be profitable. And if you are a Christian or Jewish or whatever your religious background is, and you find a way to bring it all together into your business, good for you. That's outstanding. Okay. So, yeah. So I, what else can I do to, uh, you know, support your community and, um, you can share where people can find you online and this will be in the show notes. Sounds great. So, uh, obviously our website, which is pretty, you know, it's the easiest way to get a hold of us would be, uh, www.look, L O O K, faith, F A I T H, first, F I R S T dot com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which we mentioned before, which is, you know, it's a lot more active now. We have a lot of great content coming on there. You will probably see our YouTube page. And because we're doing the PDC call uh, twice a month, uh, at the very least, we see regular updates with those. But we see opportunities for even more videos. For example, you know, we did the 12 days of excellence to end last year. And we got some very positive reviews 
on that as far as setting people up for success and excellence in 2017. So yeah, I mean, you know, just look up Look Faith first and you'll find us in a multitude of ways. Coach, thank you so much for coming on today. I have loved hearing all the different parts of your story that I didn't even know about and enjoyed hearing even the parts of your story that I had heard before, but it's been outstanding. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And a final thought for everyone, you know, I, in my book, when I, when I sign my books for people and at the end of every email, I have a statement that I share with people to, to really, you know, move them on their way with, you know, fulfillment and happiness. And that's, you know, I, you know, urge everyone to, to live, work and love with purpose. That's the secret of it all. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.